O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. In the name of God, who loves us unconditionally, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is roughly a hundred miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. According to Google Maps, it would take 34 hours to travel it on foot, not counting the stops for rest. And of course, Google does not factor in contingencies such as marauding bandits, deep rain-washed wadis cutting through the path, inns with no room, or full-term pregnancies. Nor does Google note that Bethlehem is now surrounded by a huge wall separating it from Nazareth. But this long, wearying, unpredictable journey is, according to Luke, exactly what Mary and Joseph undertake. Last summer, I went both to Bethlehem and Nazareth. On our way to Bethlehem, we stopped outside the town at an area called Shepherd's Field, a large open field from which one could see Jerusalem in the distance. One could imagine the shepherds were in it that night or in a place similar to it trying to keep warm, awake, and mind their animals. Not far from that open field were caves. We climbed about five feet down into one, which was one large space, hardly a room, just an open space, where according to our guide, first century families lived. And in the back of the cave, there was a smaller space where families kept their animals, animals whose body heat would keep the family warm. Mary may have gone into such a small space to have the privacy to deliver her baby. This is the story we tell on this night, a paradoxical story. We repeat the story of a miraculous birth that was foretold by the Hebrew scriptures. The Messiah was foreseen to be the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the promised healer who would raise up the broken and restore them to wholeness. That this young peasant couple delivered a child in a cave in Bethlehem, a child tiny and weak, vulnerable and dependent, who reveals the deepest truths about God. For with the birth of Jesus, God chose to enter the most fragile part of human life in order to transform it to glory. And God chose to reveal this first to the shepherds in Bethlehem, not to the rich and powerful in Jerusalem, but to the ordinary people who worked in the fields with their sheep. The world is not much different now than it was 2,000 years ago. Poverty, illness, 
Income inequality, government corruption was as rampant then as it is now. It was into this world that Jesus came, for which he lived and died. Then as now, a world where our lives are marred by struggle and pain. Our huddling here on Christmas Eve, at the time of the winter solstice when the days are at their darkest, is our acknowledgement of our need for hope and joy in lives that are not always easy. Christmas is God's answer to the darkness we face. And the heavenly message is always the same. Fear not. Those are the angel Gabriel's words, first words to Mary. And they, the angel's words to the shepherds in the fields. Jesus is the light shining in the darkness. The Herods of the world do their best to extinguish that light. And yet Jesus shines in the darkness. Our message this year is the same as it is every year. That darkness does not win, not ultimately, not in our hearts and not in the world. And that goodness wins over evil, not in every instance, but ultimately because God is God and God is good and brings again and again God's unextinguishable light in a world that often chooses darkness. And that as a community of believers, we, together, you and me, attempt to be part of that light, claiming our hope and our conviction that the light will continue to shine and that we will love one another, living as much like Jesus as we possibly can, the adult Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who brings goodwill to all. This is the essence of Christmas, the kernel of eternal truth that manages to survive forever, that God desires to be in relationship with each and every person everywhere. In fact, Christmas didn't really begin with the shepherds and the angels. It began with a life of immense freedom and love. It began with a young man walking through the hills and valleys of Palestine, teaching about a kingdom of peace and joy right here at hand and calling people to live into it. It began with people being given back their sight, their dignity, their hope, just by Jesus' healing words and touch. And it began with his gathering around him the losers and the outcasts of his society and treating them as royalty. Strangely enough, an instrument of torture, a cross, was part of the beginning of Christmas because that perfect love was willing to be mocked and put to death. And ultimately, Christmas began with an empty tomb and the conviction that he was alive and that death and darkness had been vanquished for good. Through all that, people began to believe that the Messiah had come, that the mind at the core of space and time loved them and had come to live with them and draw them into lives of hope and peace. Luke's story tonight is saying that the secret of the universe won't be found in Rome, 
or in the White House, for that matter, or along the canyons of Wall Street or among scholars at great universities. No, the mystery of God becoming human is revealed in the most unexpected of places. In a squalling child born to a young mother and her faithful husband as they are bandied about by the forces of empire. And who are the first to receive the news of the Messiah? Not the cultured and educated, so distracted with their important agendas, but the poorest of the poor, the ignorant and troublesome shepherds. It comes to those who are willing to listen to unexpected voices that seem like angelic messengers and to follow their unexpected lead. It is a strange, even cunning, stunning thing, isn't it? For God to take the risk of coming to us in this tiny child in a lost corner of the Roman Empire? Could it be that the master of the universe rules this universe only with the power of love? A love that refuses to coerce or control, but gives the universe and us freedom to grow and to become. Could it be that to serve this master is to give ourselves to lives of compassion and generosity, and that the deepest call we all have to find is our way to care for the hungry and the broken and the lost. That is what the birth of that child is about. It's about a God who only has love to give. It is a love so deep that God chose to become vulnerable as a newborn child, to lie in a manger entirely dependent upon two fragile human beings to love him in return. This baby we regard tonight became a man who was killed for preaching that we should love all persons as we love ourselves, and for proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom where barriers and walls and restrictions are removed and all are welcome at God's banquet table. The mystery of Bethlehem disarms us, for it reverses our expectations and our experience. It shows us that God does not reject human weakness, frustration, or dependence. It shows us that if we are to look where God is coming to us in our lives, and in the world, we should look where it is dark and cold and where we feel most alone. The mystery of Bethlehem is that it doesn't matter how dark or cold things are. Jesus is born and God's light breaks through the darkness. The mystery of Bethlehem is that wherever you are, Jesus is waiting to be born in the stable of your heart and the glory of God's light is waiting to dawn in your life. The mystery of Bethlehem is that even in the darkest days of December, Jesus is born and God's light breaks forth. Christmas brings us back to the crib in a manger where a baby cries with the delight of new life and implores us to start over. Aware of the year that has gone before, full of hope that the life of this holy child of Bethlehem will once again 
take us, to give us what it takes to live well and make the world even just a little bit safer and healthier and more compassionate than it was in the year that we are leaving behind. May God make it so.